chapter 10, beginning with verse 24. I invite you to stand for the reading of the Scripture. This is one of those different passages that Jesus offers to us to consider. This is one of those passages that we might think to ourselves, wait a minute, this is a little odd. We think of Jesus, we even, we even sing, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me around Christmas time. And Jesus says in this passage, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. It's a head-scratching passage. And yet it is the Word of God. Let us pray. Or let us, let us share together and then we'll pray. A disciple is not above the teacher nor a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing is secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs of your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it, and those who lose their life for my sake will find it. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, we give thanks for all the blessings that you give to us, and we give thanks for your word today. As the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, let us hear with joy what you have to say to us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Well, we've heard it twice today, once from the Old Testament reading from Genesis. There are times of the year when the Old Testament readings and the New Testament readings go together really well. There are other times of the year, like this time of the year, when we are reading through the Genesis narrative and, and Exodus in our Old Testament readings, and then the New Testament takes a different kind of approach. And so they're not always the kinds of lessons that go easily together. I don't know if you heard, but 
This morning's Old Testament lesson had the words, do not be afraid, in it. Those are common words in the Bible, and they're usually spoken when someone is scared to death. Do not be afraid. The angel comes, and there is this glorious apparition that, that the, the shepherds see of heavenly beings, and the heavenly beings, as they are scared to death, say, do not be afraid. And Jesus says in these words, these difficult words, he says also to us, don't be afraid. One of the things that he expects us to acknowledge, us to own and to understand, is that you and I can expect a kind of hostility in the world when we follow him. There is a hostility that following Jesus brings. In his own day, that hostility ended up getting him crucified. In his own day, uh, that hostility had him run off and almost cast over a cliff in Nazareth. In his own day, that hostility led to uh, a lot of debates between him and Pharisees and him and Sadducees. And he says here, expect hostility, you who believe in me. Expect hostility. First of all, you can expect it from the world at large. There are simply people who, for whatever reason, don't understand, nor do they want to understand the message of the gospel that God has come into the world to save the lost. Expect hostility from the world at large. And look at what Jesus says. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebul, how much more will they malign those of his household? If Jesus himself, the sinless Lamb of God, has come into the world and been crucified for the message of the gospel, how much more can those who follow him expect that this message of the gospel will sometimes be unattractive to those who would prefer to live in the way of the world? We can expect hostility, not just from the world at large, but even from those who are near to us, even from those who are close by. We are tempted to think of Jesus as gentle, Jesus meek and mild, and yet he reminds us that there is this sword that cuts between those who live according to the way of God and those who reject the way of God. I have come, he says, not for peace, but to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and one's foes will be members of one's own household. Some will choose to follow the way of Christ. Others will choose not to. We understand the tensions that are inherent in the world now. We understand the tensions that you can read about in any newspaper, that you can see on any news program, the tension between blue America and red America, the tension between those who want to wear masks and those who don't, the tension between youth and those who are aged. We see tensions flaring everywhere, and Jesus says, make no mistake, 
if I am the most important one to you, there are those outside in the world and there are even those in your own family who will not understand the place that I hold in your life. Now, the interesting thing is, Jesus is quoting here from Micah 7.6. He's quoting the Old Testament. Micah is making the point that society in his day has become as corrupt as it can possibly be. And here is what he has to say about why that is the case. The son treats the father with contempt, The daughter rises up against her mother. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies are enemies that are members of your own household. Jesus is quoting here Micah's assessment of the people. It's as bad as it gets when people's own households are turning against them. Now, this is near the end of the book of Micah. One thing you may or may not have recognized as you read through the prophets of the Old Testament, the prophets of the Old Testament can be gloom and doom. But they never end on a point of gloom or doom. The prophets of the Old Testament can give news that is about as bad as it gets, but somehow before they reach the end, things have turned and the promise of God comes back into focus. After Micah describes society as corrupt as it can possibly get, he then describes how the people will be penitent and how God will restore the joy of those who love him. Jesus quotes this. He he talks about how in, in the end there will be this tension between those who love him and see him as number one in their lives, the center of all that they do. And one can only believe that as he's looking at this message from Micah, He also has in mind this quick turn of events that happens in the next chapter and a half where even those who are enemies repent and receive the blessing. So one of the first things Jesus is telling us here is to expect hostility. Expect hostility from those who are outside and those who are closer to us. But the second thing Jesus tells us is that we are to know the God we worship. We are to know that God understands the heart's motivations. And so even when people unfairly malign us as followers of Jesus, remember what Jesus says. Nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered. And nothing is secret that will not become known. So those who unfairly treat you, unfairly talk about you, unfairly denigrate you, God knows. And God knows the motives of their heart. The Lord wants a message to be shared. Jesus says this is not a secretive mystery religion. This is not some secret society where we have 
special code words that mean different things. He says, no, your life and your life centered in me are to be lived out in the open. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. The gospel is not a secret. The gospel is intended to be shared out in the open to the world at large. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever believes in him might not perish but have everlasting life. The Lord wants this message to be known and to be shared. As we know this God that we serve, he knows the heart's motivations, he wants his message to be shared, and there's a reverence for God that is proper. There is a respect for God that is due him. Jesus says, you want to be afraid of somebody? Don't be afraid of somebody who can just hurt your feelings. Don't be afraid of somebody who can just hurt your body. Don't even be afraid of someone who can just kill you. If you want to fear anybody, fear the God who can destroy both soul and body. Revere the Lord who holds your life and your death and your life beyond death in his hands. If you want to fear anyone, fear God. But God values his people. As Pat said in the children's message, there are a lot of sparrows out there one of the things that we've, we've learned over the course of the pandemic is that lots of people are birdwatching now who've never birdwatched before. Um, that's not something that I have taken to. I can still point out a cardinal. Um, that one's easy. Doves, I have learned to identify and to appreciate. Sparrows are all over the place. You could buy two of them for, for just a penny, almost nothing according to Matthew. But not one of them falls without God knowing it. Not one of them is unseen and unknown by God. And even the hairs of your head are numbered. Those of you who are snickering say, well, we know how many hairs you have. Not true. This morning, after I shaved, I was looking in the mirror, and there is, there's at least one up here that I've missed for a long, long time, at least one, God knows about it. God sees. So Jesus says, don't be afraid. God knows when a sparrow falls and you are more valuable than many sparrows. Don't be afraid. Now, do you catch the logic there? The logic is, if you're going to be afraid of anybody, fear God because he has your life, your death, your life after death in his hands. But you don't have to fear God because God loves you and values you and invites you into his family. You don't have to fear God because you are more valuable than many sparrows. Know Jesus' promise. Everyone who acknowledges me before others, 
I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Know Jesus' promise that you don't have to wonder if God loves you. You don't have to wonder if Jesus is for you. You can know the promise that those who acknowledge him here, he will acknowledge before the throne of God. Don't be afraid. If we are to fear anyone, God is the one who is rightly feared. If we are to respect anyone, God is the one who is worthy of our respect. But God is for us. God loves us. God has sent Jesus who has said, if you acknowledge me, I will acknowledge you. And so you and I, in light of the gospel, can be unafraid. We may live as children of the Heavenly Father, gathered around his table, members of his family. Don't be afraid. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.